Welcome to the Manners Podcast, where our host, Joey Ferjanic, lead pastor of the Block Church in Philadelphia, is teaching on how to be a biblical man. Okay, here we go. Manners Season 2 continuing, and today I have the one and only Ryan Fox in the house. What's up, my friend? Dude, it's so good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's an honor to have you, and I've been wanting to get you on the podcast for a while, but before we get into any of that, why don't you tell them who Ryan Fox is, what he does? Yeah, so um, my name is Ryan, obviously. Clearly. Uh, (laughs) So uh, I work part-time for the Block Church. I'm the recruitment director for the Block School Leadership, and I also work full-time for American Bible Society. That's great. What is American Bible Society? Um, it's really a missions and uh, ministry supporting agency, um, mm-hmm. supporting translation, getting Bibles out to um, languages that aren't yet translated, yeah. um, and then just support for like armed services ministry and other things like that. Yeah, so. I think if you're ever in Philadelphia or the Philadelphia area, you got to go tour ABS. Yeah. It, it is truly remarkable and inspiring and to see the Word of God go forth, but... Anyway, enough of the seriousness. Uh, Let's get into a few things, and then we'll get serious again. Okay, okay. Uh, I'm actually titling this episode, um, Men Make Things Right. Yeah. Okay? But but before we get into men make things right, all right. Let's first of all, you know the rules. Yeah. We got show us a, a, something every man needs to have. Okay. First of all, every man needs a travel bag, um, and specifically things to carry your like you know travel bag, overnight bag, overnight bag. Okay. Things oh, that oh, are oh, helpful oh. to we go. to yourself uh, when you're on a plane, when you're traveling to a hotel. And you love to travel. And I do love to travel. It's like when on I'm, a whim. <laughs> Exactly. Ryan's the kind of guy, you're the kind of guy that would show up to the airport without a place to go. Yeah. And say, I just send me to Lincoln, Nebraska. I would go anywhere and everywhere just to say I've been there. Yeah. 100%. Love that about you. So um, one thing that I've really been um, trying to get better at is skincare. And I know that's kind of controversial because guys are like, you know, gritty, whatever. I get it. But I just don't think you have to look busted and, and be mm. a guy. I think you can take care of yourself. Okay. And one of the most important things to do is moisturize. Moisturize. And so um, this is something I use every day. Um, it goes, I'm going to moisturize right now okay. on, on a man on a man podcast right here. There you go. Yep, yep. Right there. Under. Wherever dry spots are, I, well, I always oh, have a dry, dry spot, spot up yeah. here. Okay. Yeah. But, Forgot to lotion up today. Well, there you go. So moisturizer is going to help. Bro, I'm not going to lie, man. Over the last few years, I, I've aged a little bit. Yeah. So maybe, I, does this help with that? Does yeah, taking care of yourself. Uh, well, it's preventative. You have to use it ahead of time. Oh, it's not going to take back the wrinkles now. But <laughs> it's yeah. too late. Take care of yourself, guys. You definitely need to. Um, right. It's important. Am so. I shiny? Um, not that shiny. Okay. You're good. All right. Yeah. So it worked? I think so. All right. So Ryan, a couple of my favorite things about you. Okay. okay. I, I love this about you. <laughs> is this going to turn into a roast? Yes, kind of, <laughs> but not really. No, not yet. So you are 100% or nothing. Okay. That's true. Okay. You are. So, so like, like I remember, um, for Thanksgiving, you Mm -hmm. and your your family came over and you brought your entire large espresso machine just so we could have coffee on tap all day long. Listen, I really take the experience maker value really seriously. And in all honesty, that's just always been who I am. So another thing that you've done. Okay. Is, and I really appreciate this. I know you did this for me when I had to shave my head because my, I was mm. losing my hair. Yeah. You also went and shaved your head and I just want to publicly say thank you for that. Well, I just want to publicly say that it wasn't for you, <laughs> but I wanted to go through the process of shaving my head and just to feel it. But 
Why are you being embarrassed that you're that committed to your pastor that you won't tell people you no, did no, it no. in support? It's nothing about embarrassment. It's about standing my ground <laughs> and being right. Standing your ground even when you're wrong. You did it for me. I'm holding tight to that. Thank you for shaving your <laughs> okay, head. Okay, whatever. For me. All right. All right, so let's get into it, Ryan. Uh, great story. You and I have got a little bit of, of history. And, yeah. um, and, but, and I want to talk about that. Mm-hmm. But I want to go back to the beginning because yeah. I think you have a fascinating story. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know your story. And sometimes sometimes not knowing people's story, it's it's harder to have grace yeah. and offer the right sort of, uh, I guess, the way you should be looking at a situation. Sure. So I didn't know your story maybe till later on. Mm-hmm. And I'd, I'd love for you to share a little bit of, of your family history. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I was born, um, in Taylorsville, North Carolina. Um, wow. so in the sticks, no one yeah. knows where that's at. Nope. Um, but my dad was never part of my life. He, it's places like that where you're pulling ticks out of your, yeah. out of your arms and you're eating them. You're well, like Lyme disease. Not, <laughs> not eating them. I don't think we did that, but definitely <laughs> pulling ticks off of your arms. That's true. Okay. Um, but yeah, my dad, um, my biological dad have never had a relationship with him. Um, he wasn't there for when I was born. Um, I don't really know a ton about him, mm. um, in all honesty, but yeah, so that was, that was the origin. So obviously that left a gap in my life. Did you meet him? No, I've never met him. You've never met your father? No, no. I, I know his name. Okay. Um, so my, uh, biological mom has, has shared, um, his name with me. So like I could see pictures. I've seen a picture. A picture. Yeah. It's wild. So it, it is really wild. Um, I don't think it look anything like him, but mm. we'll, we'll leave that there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, in, in all honesty, um, you know, that left a big gap in my life. Um, my mom lived with her parents. Um, and so I was raised by my grandparents, my maternal grandparents okay. and my mom, uh, primarily most of my life. My grandpa passed away when I was four. That was mm. really the most influential male role model I think I had in you know my early years. He was the only male, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, my uncle and and you know some other family members were close by, but he was the one who was like in the household with yeah, me. Yeah, right. Um, and so yeah, I I didn't realize how different I was until probably the first grade, and I remember it because. Um, there was like a parent day and, um, well, my mom wasn't able to come because she was a single mom trying to work, yeah. you know, support, whatever. Uh, and then I realized that other people also had their dads with them. And so I processed the fact, I think for the first time when I was like six or seven years old, oh, there's something different about me. It's that mm. I don't have a dad. Everyone else does. I want to stop there because psychologically and emotionally, I just read this I just read this thing about how important it is for a, for young boys mm-hmm. to have a father figure who roughhouses with them. Yeah. I mean, just literally in love, beats the crap yeah. out of them. Yeah, yeah. And for guys to, for young boys to not grow up, grow up with a father figure mm-hmm. that roughhouses with them or, you know, you name it, it impacts them yeah. psychologically, emotionally. Um, it impacts sometimes decisions made or not mm-hmm. made. And and so here you are at six or seven going, man, mm-hmm. something's missing. Yeah. Yeah. And and that I definitely could could see how that lends itself, the the absentee father. Um I, I know that for I felt like identity. A, a little bit. Yeah, I felt like a fish out of water a lot of mm-hmm. times. Um, even with like my friends that who I 
grew up with going to school with, I've, I noticed that like, you know, they always had, you know, a special relationship with their dad. And I, I felt that, that hole in my life, mm. you know? Mm. Um, and so, yeah, later on down the line, um, when I was 10, my mom ended up meeting my stepdad. Okay. He's a Marine. Okay. Um, so I went from not having any male role model in my life to having a dad who's a Marine. Strict. Yeah. So that tough. definitely, yeah, strict, tough. Everything had to be done perfectly. Yeah. That, and not in a bad way, but in a yeah. way that like I just had never lived. And so that was a really interesting time of, I think, acclimating. And at first I really did not like him. Yeah, of course. Like it was a really hard time for me to adjust. But then I think, and even now post, you know, all of this, um, you know, being able to have some years ahead of me, I'm like, I, I'm grateful for what he's taught me. I'm mm. grateful for the lessons that he taught me. He did teach me the foundations of how to be a man. I just learned them a lot later in life, probably mm. than the most people who have a, a father from the time they're born yeah. learn. So, so what happened then? So you, you've got a stepdad and then, yeah. but you're, and you had a, a grandfather who died, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. were you like, were you close with your mother? Uh, where is that status yeah. today? So, <laughs> um, I was close with my mom, um, growing up. Um, she actually, I was her support piece, which is mm. not a healthy relationship right. because I'm the child taking care of, mm -hmm. you know, the parent. And it happens in a lot of single parent homes where yeah. the children provide an element of emotional support mm -hmm. and there is an unhealthy, um, uh, what do you call it? Dependency. Yeah. On with with parents to their children, yeah, and you were feeling some of that. Oh, definitely. And so, you know, getting getting that kind of experience, I think everyone for pretty much all my life had said, you know, you're such a mature person. You know, you you feel. I feel like I'm talking to an adult when I'm talking to you, and this yeah. is me as a kid. Yeah, right. And I'm like, well, the reason you feel like that is because I've had to learn how to be someone's support because there's such a hole in their life. Yeah. And so I've covered the gap of what really should have been a man's role in my mom's life. Yeah. Um, and, you know, being there to support her and helping her through the problems that she's having. Um, but all all throughout my, my upbringing, my mom and I were very close. Um, it wasn't until I was probably 14 or 15, we had moved to California. Oh. Um, we were stationed out in San Diego. Okay. Um, my dad was, my stepdad was in Afghanistan. Mm. Um, and he when he came back, um, there was a, a separation paper um, mm. that was left on the counter for my mom to find. Mm. And so Jeez. my mom had a mental breakdown and she took myself and my uh, three half brothers who were his kids oh, and fled the state. And so- Where'd you guys go? We went back to live with my grandma in North Carolina um, while the custody hearing was being taken place and trying to understand who was gonna have full custody. And so it was a it was a nightmare. Um, they were her children with they, him. Yes, okay. exactly. Yeah, and so it was really probably the the most hellish times of my life. Yeah, um, you're a teenager. It was literally over my birthday. I was turning fourteen. Oh, I remember geez. like being in a hotel room, and like the only way that I could celebrate like my birthday was going to Taco Bell and like mm. getting because we didn't have money. Right. Like we were we were living off state support because of you know, the connections my mom had with like yep. trying to, to go back to her parents. And, um, it, yeah, it was just, a, it was a nightmare. Yeah. Um, is Taco Bell now triggering to you? No, I actually love Taco Bell. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know. I think that 
I've, I've had enough time to like get to a better place. And my talk about relationships pretty good. Um, but, but in all seriousness, the, that time of my life, uh, really, I think started a spiral. Mm. Um, mm. what, what I didn't share with you is, um, the reason I'm a Christian is my stepdad's parents, their influence over my life mm. was how I began to know the Lord. Mm. Um, and so when I was, uh, probably 11, um, I went up to their, um, church. I went up and I lived with them for a month, uh, just so I could get to know them. Cause I hadn't had time with them. Mm. And so, so, so the man, your mom married, yeah. you end up living when you were 11 mm. with his parents for a month yeah. to get to know yeah, them, to get to know them, to, you know, your choice. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Like I, I love them f- since the day I met them. They were in North Carolina. I, they were in Ohio. Ohio. Yeah. Okay. Which is how the Ohio influence Got comes it. in. So. Okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, so, so they invited me up. I went to like a, vacation Bible school um, and, and I had the experience with the Lord and yeah, that, that whole time was like, was, was amazing. It was, I kind of felt like I could be a kid for like that week, week, that month I was there and it was great. And, um, I really appreciated that, but that's the foundation of my faith. Mm. And then their prayers kept me Hmm. going throughout all the chaos of my life. And so that's, that's crazy. They, they, minister to you. I mean, they kind of yes. had a, a mission. Yes. They, they took you up there for a week yeah. to Ohio. You kind of meet Jesus as a, as a kid at yeah. 11 years old. Yeah. They keep praying and believing God for your life. Mm-hmm. It's just powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And so all of that goes back to when I was 14. Um, yeah. Back what, to, back to 14. Back to 14 when my parents- Taco Bell hotel yeah, separated. Um, my mom had placed a restraining order against them my my stepdad's parents to talk to me like there was a a no contact that Why? was placed um she again goes back to the fear of of losing that yeah. support that she had yeah. and she thought that this was the safest way to keep me in her life but i think she was honestly afraid that i was going to choose them over her right. and so she had this big fear and she probably recognized you were mature enough to understand and know you're unhealthy yeah. mom and somewhat toxic yeah these people are somewhat normal. Is that why your stepdad kind of bailed? Because your mother maybe was emotionally unwell or was there other stuff going on? I think that there is always a question in, my, in the back of my mind of the mental health aspect with my mom. Yeah. Um, I think after my, I have three half brothers, um, my stepdad's kids Yeah. Uh, with my mom. And I think after the last child, I think she honestly just got to a place where she couldn't pull herself back out. So unwell. And um, yeah, so that was, I think, the the triggering point for, for that. It. But yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So restraining order, what happens next? So yeah, um, essentially there's a, a really long custody battle that goes right. between my stepdad and my mom. Um, Who wins? My mom won custody Jeez. because my dad, my stepdad, was an active duty Marine. Mm. So right. it was hard for him. Like, if he was called to duty, then yeah. where, the, where are my brothers going to go? Right. Right. So right. they, um, yeah, ended up, she ended up winning custody for them. How did that make you feel? Um, that's when the biggest rift started with, your, um, with, your with mom. my mom. Because um, I knew that, among, amongst other things, I knew her mental health wasn't right. I knew she had a terrible like spending problem. Mm. And so all of her money would just go out the door on Mm. things that she would buy to make herself feel Mm. better. Mm. She was very materialistic. Mm. And so out, and then on top of all of that, just some, um, some tendencies she had to go into a relationship right after she had been 
divorced or right after she got separated. Yeah. It was just, things didn't add up to me as yeah. a kid. I was like, there's something not right. Yeah. Um, and that ultimately led me moving out of, of her house and moving in with my aunt and my cousins. Uh, for, in North Carolina? In North Carolina for three years. Wow. Um, I still talked to her. I still had a relationship with my brothers, of course. Yeah. But I did not live under her house from, I think I was 15 when I moved mm. out all the way until I graduated high school. Yeah. So, so when you graduate high school, what happens next? So to get to that point, I need to go back to right around graduation. Okay. Um, so as I said, my stepdad lost custody uh, because he's an active duty Marine. So this is four years in the future. Right. So he ends up retiring from the Marine Corps. Yep. He did, I think, 25 years of service. Right. Ends up retiring from the Marine Corps. And then he um, starts the custody case again because my mom had been in a relationship in North Carolina with another guy mm -hmm. that was abusive towards my brothers mm. and to her. Mm. And so DSS had been involved and Department of Social Services. Right. And they, they stepped in and they said, something's not right here. Mm. We need to get these, these kids out of this house. And so um, my, my stepdad started obviously doing what he knew was right, which was to create another court case and, and petition for custody again. Right. Does he win? He does. Okay. He asked, he actually asked me, um, th there's a moment of reconciliation that happens, um, right before graduation. And this is before the court case between you and him, between me and him mm -hmm. and his entire family. And so, because you have to understand the lie that my mom told me right. was that they didn't care about me right. and I had no way of contacting them and, and they had no way old, of, of contacting me. You're going to believe it. And I believe my mom. Yeah. And so this whole lie turns into a belief. Mm. And then I'm Man, questioning. Man, that'll preach. You hear a lie long enough, you believe it. Yes. And so I'm, I'm the day <clears throat> I turned 18, I called them. I called my dad, my stepdad. I called my, my grandparents, his mom in and dad Ohio. in Ohio. And I said, I need to know if you guys have actually cared about me at all. Did mm. you love me? Or mm. Was all this a mm. lie? Mm. And they just began to, to weep over the phone. And they were, they were just like, we cared about you so much. We mm. were praying for the day that, that mm. you would call us because Jesus. your mom had a restraining order saying that we could not contact you. Jeez. And so this whole time it was reversed. It was not that they couldn't contact me. It was that I couldn't contact them. And so this, this lie had just existed for so Jeez. long and caught us, caused so much division and, and separation. And there was, you know, in that season, I really struggled with depression and I really struggled with self-worth Yeah, because I was like, how can I, how could I have felt so much love from this family that, mm. that really brought me in and cared for me. And then Stripped they just away. dumped me so, yeah. and didn't care about me. I was like, this yeah. just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, so to answer your question, yeah. There was a court case that that happened. So, um, but at, but to, to shorten it though, at, mm -hmm. at high school, yes, or, or excuse me, at graduation, yes. you contact them. Yes, you have reconciliation. Yes, stepdad wins his 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 kids back exactly, and then you begin or or I guess re-engage in relationship with yeah. your grandparents, your step grandparents in Ohio. Yes, the day after my graduation, um, because of the the court case, yeah, um, I had testified against my mom. And my entire family in Jeez. North Carolina turned their back on me because blood is thicker than water. Yeah, right. Even if even it's if wrong. you even if you do the right thing, yeah. even if you stand up for the, for something that's correct, Jeez. there's this entire family system that turns their back on you. Man, but at the same and on, time, and unhealthy family system. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But at the same time, the beautiful piece is that my stepdad and his parents 
immediately took me in and said, you're coming up here. We'll move you up here. So you moved to Ohio. I moved to Ohio. I lived there. I took a year off from, from school between high school. Yep. A gap year. And I just worked and worked on my relationship with the Lord. And that's pretty much my story from there. Jeez. So then you go to Christian school. Yep. Okay. Yep. uh, For college. Yep. And then you meet a girl. Yeah. Me, my wife. Yeah. I didn't know it was going to be my wife. Yeah. So. (laughs) Had you dated much around high school, whatever? I mean, I dated, but it was, it was never anything like really seriously dating. So. Okay. Yeah. So um, anyway, you meet this girl, Mm -hmm. you guys start dating. Yeah. And something happens. This is where we, you come into my life a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. So sophomore year of Valley Forge. I thought we weren't going to name the college. Oh, that's well, all right. Here we did, or the school, it's the institution, okay. whatever it's okay. they call it. All right, whatever. keep going. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Sophomore year, I walk into uh, the block church for the very first time. Yeah, um, and, and you I, were blown away. I, I honestly, the anointing, the the amazing message. The, the one word. thing I remember the most <laughs> is how terrified I was of parking in the city, <laughs> and how how scared I was because um, it was just yeah, just not my. What I was used to. Yeah, of course. You're from the sticks. Exactly. Yeah. So coming to the city really was like a, a moment for me. Also, man, like you know it's God when he ends up mm-hmm. taking you into a place of great discomfort, right? Yeah, yeah. All right, so you roll in. You can't find parking. What what location was this? This was Port Richmond. Port Richmond, This okay. is when we only had one location. Oh, okay. So, oh, wow. You've been here that long. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Took, but a, we were getting took a sabbatical from us. But. <laughs> exactly. So, um, yeah. Nicole and I came, we visited, um, we were dating at the time and we really kind of set up our life to be part of the block church. Like we really felt like this is a place where we were even considering doing internship for, Mm. you know, some Mm. of the, the work that we needed to do in school. Yeah. And, um, yeah, everything was great until there, everything wasn't great. Yeah. (laughs) So so your wife's behind the camera giggling right now. So what, what happened? Um, yeah, so I think that there was... I'm glad she's giggling, by the way. Me too. I'd have stabbed it, but go ahead, tell me. Um, yeah, so I think I have... I, what I realized is that I was struggling with commitment. Mm. And I knew that I was things were getting serious with me and her, mm. um, with, with the both mm. of us. And it as as much as I wanted consistency in my life, I'd never had... Um, I never had it. Mm. I've never been in a place where I was healthy enough to have consistency. Yeah. So the idea of engagement, marriage, family, it just internally freaked you out. It right? did. And it, what was weird too is like, I was, I was, literally was talking out of both sides of my mouth. Cause so I'd talk to her and I'd be like so excited. Everything was good. I yeah. felt so much peace and we were planning our life to be here. And, and then on the other hand, like internally, I was saying everything against what I had just said to her. And I'm like, yeah. You're, you know, you can't have that. That's not for you. Um, what if you move? What if you go somewhere else? Why are you planning yourself mm. in Philadelphia? This mm. doesn't make sense. Mm. So it was a really interesting internal dialogue that ultimately led me to breaking up with her in a really bad way. Yeah. A text message, nonetheless. Yeah. You guys are near engagement. We were near engagement. And you send her a text. Uh-huh. You ghost everybody. I, yeah. I and I remember when. <laughs> When she, she was interning. Yeah, I know she was interning. And she basically, we were in like some sort of session or something. Yeah. And she's like, I got to walk out or something. And she's mm. like, Ryan just broke up with me. And she's just weeping. And I literally, like, I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to kill that kid. Yeah. 
I was so mad. Yeah. Here's poor little Nicole who's just just the sweetest person in the world who mm -hmm. smiles, laughs, loves Jesus. Yeah. And I thought Ryan was a decent guy until he wasn't. Exactly. But I didn't have the full context. Sure. And so, of course, I'm quick to judge um, because I didn't know the whole story. I could have done better then, just so you know. Hmm. Um, I don't know if I tried to reach out or not. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, you're out. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. So I'm out. And just to speak to what you just said, yeah. there's there's power knowing someone's story. Yeah, for sure. But that person has to be willing to share and it's get true. vulnerable. It's true. And I was not at a place where I'd ever experienced vulnerability in that capacity. And so- For sure. I didn't do my part in telling you my story. I think <laughs> I think what might have contributed to, to your and her breakup is- the discipleship process was probably heating up mm -hmm. at church as well. Yeah. And you were probably feeling, I, I have to like give myself and my life over to people to be discipled and developed. And yeah. all of this is too much. Yeah. I was, I was a relatively new Christian. Yeah. Like at that right. point. So right. yeah, it was still a really hard thing for me to encounter. Yeah. And again, that, that close proximity, everyone yeah. loves accountability until you yeah. have it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you you realize how flawed you are and mm. how other people notice your flaws. Yeah. And then you get to a place of feeling like the spotlight's on you all yeah. the time. And but you it needs to be. And you can't understand that people are going to love me anyway because they're just as flawed or worked through these flaws mm. already. Yeah. And I think that's the hardest thing for people who are in a process of discipleship, who are broken, who need healing, who need to be discipled, yeah. who are like, the spotlight's on me. Yeah. You know, and I would just say to anyone who's listening, if if you sense in your knower mm -hmm. that people really do love you, but you're being exposed for who you are, lay down on that table <laughs> and let the surgery begin. Yeah. Because the way that the Holy Spirit heals you is he's gentle like a surgeon. And when people truly love you and nobody's mm -hmm. perfect, it's the Holy Spirit guiding the surgery. Mm -hmm. And I, I just say all that to, to, to reiterate, that's probably what was going on. It's like, I'm about to get on this surgery table. Yeah. And like, can I trust anyone? Exactly. That's that's really what it felt like. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, I told myself I can't trust anyone. Right. Because I've never been able to trust and anyone. Because you've never been able to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I... What did you do? You went to Ohio, right? You just... Um, I left, yeah, pretty immediately. I was I was working at, at the college. Okay. Um, and But I did, I traveled a lot. I tried to get as much space between me and here as possible. I was making other plans, like... What it was what was I going to do post grad? Like mm. all this stuff was already floating in my mind. Yeah, um, trying to organize my life and because I had just created it with her, and now yeah. I'm yeah recreating my own kingdom yeah, without yeah. her. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And so I ultimately came to the place. Um, this was uh, about a year in the making. Okay, yeah, it took about a year plus. Yep. A year plus for me to get to the point of realizing that I was so unhealthy and that the the influences that were in my life were not um, leading me closer to Jesus. Mm. They were leave, leading me closer to ideology that was false mm. and, and things that were not mm. correct. Mm. And I think I set up my life believing a lot of things uh, from people because um, I didn't want to spend time with the Lord to really hear from Him and mm. and you know go mm. through the surgery, mm. the Holy Spirit surgeries yeah. that I needed yep. to. So it depended on people. Yep. And those people led me astray. Yeah. 
And so at the, at the end of it, um, I, after the breakup, I was sick for one year. I, I literally, this is so gross, but I threw up every single morning mm. for one entire year until I reached back out to Nicole to apologize to her. So I was, wow. I know I was grieved in my spirit by what I did. And, and that's I, how I feel when Nicole's not in the office. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> by a trash can, just yeah. with no joy well, whatsoever. I mean, she does bring a lot of joy, but it was, it was the now, decision. Sure. It was the, it was a cultivating of, of, of Nicole. It was our, our relationship, yeah. how I left the church. Yeah. Yeah. All of that brought me to my knees and I realized how mm. sick I was. Isn't God so merciful that, that this was your body's reaction yeah. of just not living in God's will? It's so true. I yeah. mean, God is so kind. I, I, know, mm -hmm. I know that like some people would be like, what an awful you know, thing, but it's like, aren't you glad you threw up for a year and now you're yeah. healthy and whole because now you're married with babies and yeah. living life and, yeah. you know, yeah. in his will. But anyway, so what, what do you do? Let's finish this up. Yeah. So I go back and I reach out to her and I say, Hey, you I make just, things right. I make things right. I say, Hey, I, I need to, I need you to know that what I did was awful. And I'm not saying that we have to be anything more than just people that can be around each other. Yeah. Um, I was, and my intention was not, Hey, let's get back together. Although it was in the back of my mind, yeah. it, it really was. I just wanted to, to make amends and right my wrongs. Yeah. Um, and so that led me to, um, you know, having a pretty good conversation with her, which gave me the courage to come back to the church and, call you yep. and tell and Tim who you worked for the coffee shop. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, that's another story for another day, but to, to physically call you and apologize, yeah. which I, in my own, in my own strength, I would have never done that because I'm yeah. not that type of person yep. because that's very intimidating to me. Yeah. But I knew that it was the right thing to yeah. amend our relationship yeah. and to make things right. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I just, I feel like there's someone out here that might be listening that mm. maybe you need to make something right in your own life. Maybe mm. you need to go back and have a conversation mm. that mm. you know you needed to have a long time ago. Yeah. And the hardest part is starting. Yeah. But the most beautiful thing is once you start, yeah. you never know what this story is going to look like totally. unfolding. And totally. it, most times I've seen in my personal life, because I've been on the other side of this a couple of times, yeah. that as you start doing that and as you start the process, there's a positive conversation that typically sure. aligns For in that. Sure. So yeah. So man, I mean, you did what men do. Mm -hmm. You made things right. Yeah. Eventually, you guys get back together. Yes. You get engaged. Mm -hmm. You start work. You end up with a job at the church. Yeah. God gives you this great career at ABS. Yeah. You have a baby. Yeah. A little girl. It's powerful mm -hmm. um, to think how good and how quick God can restore things when we do the right thing. That's really true. Um, tell us a little bit just in closing, mm. what's the status of your relationship with your family? Have you been able to, even though you didn't do anything wrong necessarily, sure. how have you helped make things right there? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a really still... It's in process. It's in process. Yeah. So it's, it is something that, that's working through actively. Um, but I've taken steps to reach out to my family members. Mm -hmm. um, specifically, my stepdad got remarried. Mm -hmm. And so um, he has, um, you know, my stepmom. I call her mm -hmm. my stepmom. Yeah. And so um, our relationship has been ups and downs. Yeah. Um, 
in all honesty. And so yeah. what I've really tried to do in the last few um, months is start to work towards having a healthier relationship with them. Yeah. Um, and I've also at the same time been the rock for my grandparents mm-hmm. and my other family members of yeah. just trying to promote that like God is in control. Yeah. And they know that because they've been Christians way longer yeah, yeah. than I have. Talk about your Ohio My Ohio. Yeah, my Ohio grandparents. How about your mom? Um see that's still that's still in process. It's in process. Yeah. So I haven't I haven't reached out yet. Okay. So that's I want to say on the other side of this, maybe we'll have another part two sometime yeah, yeah. where that has happened, but I I haven't made any progress. Well, and I yet. think something that people need to understand is that when you're doing the work, the work, well, a better way to say it is, is how do you eat an elephant? Mm. One bite at a time. Right. And I think you've taken lots of bites and you know that that part yeah. is, is still another piece of the elephant you got to eat. It is. I, I know I, it sits in the back of my mind and I know it's something that I, I'm going to do. Yeah. I think the healing process for me, I've went through counseling. That's mm-hmm. why I've gotten to the point where I'm doing what I'm doing now. Yep. yep. Um, but ultimately, um, that is the biggest piece of the elephant that's left. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm waiting till I digest the other pieces and start well, making that progress. Well, and if you've done all these other things, you're going to do that thing as well. Yeah. Because what do men do? We make things right. That's right. And that's what you've proven, that you're a great man. Mm. And I'm grateful you're in my life. And I'm glad you married Nicole. Yeah. And you got a great little baby girl. Yeah. And that you work here and that God's using you. And uh, the best is ahead. Amen. So yeah. thanks for jumping on with me, Ryan. Yeah. Thanks for listening. If this was helpful to you, give a good review and subscribe to The Block Church's YouTube channel. For more information about The Block Church, visit theblockchurch.org. We'll see you next time on Manners, How to Act Like Biblical Men.